0: Chapter 18, Part 2 of Struggles and Triumphs or Forty Years' Recollections of P.T. Barnum Written by himself This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona Struggles and Triumphs of P.T. Barnum Chapter eighteen The Nightingale in New York, Part Two. Among the many complimentary poems sent in was the following by Mrs. L. H. Sigourney, which that distinguished writer enclosed in a letter to me with the request that I hand it to Miss Lynn. The Swedish Songstress and Her Charities by Mrs. L. H. Sigurney Blessed must their vocation be who, with tones of melody, charm the discord and the strife and the railroad rush of life and with orphean magic move souls inert to life and love but there is one who doth inherit angel gift and angel spirit bidding tides of gladness flow through the realms of want and woe mid lone age and misery's lot kindling pleasures long forgot seeking minds oppressed with night and on darkness shedding light. She the seraph's speech doth know, she hath done their deeds below, so when o'er this misty strand she shall clasp their waiting hand, they will fold her to their breast more a sister than a guest. Jenny Lind's first concert was fixed to come off at Castle Garden on Wednesday evening, September 11th, and most of the tickets were sold at auction on the saturday and monday previous to the concert john n jennon the hatter laid the foundation of his fortune by purchasing the first ticket at two hundred and twenty-five dollars it has been extensively reported that mr jennon and i are brothers-in-law but our only relations are those of business and friendship the proprietors of the garden saw fit to make the usual charge of one shilling To all persons who entered the premises yet three thousand people were present at the auction one thousand tickets were sold on the first day for an aggregate sum of ten thousand one hundred and forty one dollars on the tuesday after her arrival i informed miss lynn that i wished to make a slight alteration in our agreement what is it she asked in surprise i am convinced i replied that our enterprise will be much more successful than either of us anticipated. I wish, therefore, to stipulate that you shall receive not only $1,000 for each concert, besides all the expenses, as heretofore agreed on, but after taking $5,500 per night for expenses and my services, the balance shall be equally divided between us. Jenny looked at me with astonishment she could not comprehend my proposition after I had repeated it and she fully understood its import she cordially grasped me by the hand and exclaimed Mr. Barnum you are gentlemen of honor you are generous it is just as Mr. Bates told me I will sing for you as long as you please I will sing for you in America in Europe anywhere upon drawing the new contract which was to include this entirely voluntary and liberal advance on my part beyond the terms of the original agreement miss Lynde's lawyer mr john Jay, who was present solely to put in writing the new arrangement between miss Lynde and myself insisted upon intruding the suggestion that she should have the right to terminate the engagement at the end of the sixtieth concert if she should choose to do so this proposition was so persistently and annoyingly pressed that miss lynn was finally induced to entertain it at the same time offering if she did so to refund to me all monies paid her up to that time excepting the one thousand dollars per concert according to the original agreement this was agreed to and it was also arranged that she might terminate the engagement at the one hundredth concert if she desired upon paying me $25,000 for the loss of the additional 50 nights. After this new arrangement was completed, I said, Now, Miss Lynde, as you are directly interested, you must have an agent to assist in taking and counting the tickets. To which she replied, Oh no, Mr. Barnum, I have every confidence in you, and I must decline to act upon your suggestion. But I continued i never allow myself if it can be avoided when i have associates in the same interest to be placed in a position where i must assume the sole responsibility i never even permitted an actor to take a benefit at my museum unless he placed a ticket-taker of his own at the door thus urged miss lynn engaged mr seaton to act as her ticket-taker and after we had satisfactorily arranged the matter jay knowing the whole affair had the impudence to come to me with a package of blank printed affidavits which he demanded that i should fill out from day to day with the receipts of each concert and swear to their correctness before a magistrate i told him that i would see him on the subject at miss len's hotel that afternoon and going there a few moments before the appointed hour i narrated the circumstances to mr benedict and showed him an affidavit which i had made that morning to the effect that i would never directly or indirectly take any advantage whatever of miss lynde this i had made oath to for i thought if there was any swearing of that kind to be done i would do it in a lump rather than in detail mr benedict was very much opposed to it and arriving during the interview jay was made to see the matter in such a light that he was thoroughly ashamed of his proposition, and requesting that the affair might not be mentioned to Miss Lynde, he begged me to destroy the affidavit. I heard no more about swearing to our receipts. On Tuesday, September 10th, I informed Miss Lynde that, judging by present appearances, her portion of the proceeds of the first concert would amount to $10,000 she immediately resolved to devote every dollar of it to charity and sending for mayor woodhall she acted under his and my advice in selecting the various institutions among which she wished the amount to be distributed my arrangements of the concert room were very complete the great parterre and gallery of castle gardens were divided by imaginary lines into four compartments each of which was designated by a lamp of a different color the tickets were printed in colors corresponding with the location which the holders were to occupy and one hundred ushers with rosettes and bearing wands tipped with ribbons of the several hues enabled every individual to find his or her seat without the slightest difficulty every seat was of course numbered in color to correspond with a check which each person retained after giving up an entrance ticket at the door thus tickets checks lamps, rosettes, wands, and even the seat numbers were all in the appropriate colors to designate the different departments. These arrangements were duly advertised and every particular was also printed upon each ticket. In order to prevent confusion, the doors were opened at five o'clock while the concert did not commence until eight. The consequence was that although about five thousand persons were present at the first concert, their entrance was marked with as much order and quiet as was ever witnessed in the assembling of a congregation at church. These precautions were observed at all the concerts given throughout the country under my administration, and the good order which always prevailed was the subject of numberless encomiums from the public and the press. The reception of Jenny Lind on her first appearance, in point of enthusiasm, was probably never before equaled in the world. As Mr. Benedict led her towards the footlights, the entire audience rose to their feet and welcomed her with three cheers accompanied by the waving of thousands of hats and handkerchiefs. This was by far the largest audience to which Jenny Lynn had ever sung. She was evidently much agitated, but the orchestra commenced, and before she had sung a dozen notes of Casta Diva, she began to recover her self-possession and long before the cena was concluded she was as calm as if she was in her own drawing-room towards the last portion of the cavatina the audience were so completely carried away by their feelings that the remainder of the air was drowned in a perfect tempest of acclamation enthusiasm had been wrought to its highest pitch but the musical powers of jenny lynn exceeded all the brilliant anticipations which had been formed and her triumph was complete at the conclusion of the concert jenny lynn was loudly called for and was obliged to appear three times before the audience could be satisfied they then called vociferously for barnum and i reluctantly responded to their demand on this first night mr julius benedict firmly established with the American people his European reputation as a most accomplished conductor and musical composer, while Signor Belletti inspired an admiration which grew warmer and deeper in the minds of the American people to the end of his career in this country. It would seem as if the Jenny Lynn mania had reached its culminating point before she appeared, and I confess that I feared the anticipations of the public were too high to be realized and hence that there would be a reaction after the first concert, but I was happily disappointed. The transcendent musical genius of the Swedish Nightingale was superior to all that fancy could paint, and the Führer did not attain its highest point until she had been heard. The people were in ecstasies. The powers of editorial acumen, types, and ink were inadequate to sound her praises. The Rubicon was passed the successful issue of the jenny lind enterprise was established i think there were a hundred men in new york the day after her first concert who would have willingly paid me two hundred thousand dollars for my contract i received repeated offers for an eighth a tenth or a sixteenth equivalent to that price but mine had been the risk and i was determined mine should be the triumph so elated was i with my success in spite of all obstacles and false profits that i do not think half a million of dollars would have tempted me to relinquish the enterprise upon settling the receipts of the first concert they were found to be somewhat less than i anticipated the sums bid at the auction sales together with the tickets purchased at private sale amounted to more than twenty thousand dollars it proved however that several of the tickets bid off at from 12 to $25 each were not called for. In some instances, probably the zeal of the bidders cooled down when they came out from the scene of excitement and once more breathed the fresh sea breeze which came sweeping up from the narrows, while perhaps in other instances bids were made by parties who never intended to take the tickets. I can only say, once and for all, that i was never privy to a false bid and was so particular upon that point that i would not permit one of my employees to bid on or purchase a ticket at auction though requested to do so for a special friends the amount of money received for tickets to the first concert was seventeen thousand eight hundred sixty four dollars and five cents as this made miss lynn's portion too small to realize the ten thousand dollars which had been announced as devoted to charity, I proposed to divide equally with her the proceeds of the first two concerts, and not count them at all in our regular engagement. Accordingly, the second concert was given September thirteenth, and the receipts, amounting to $14,203.03, were, like those of the first concert, equally divided. Our third concert, but which, as Between Ourselves, we call the first regular concert, was given Tuesday, September 17, 1850. End of Chapter 18, Part 2 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona